Welcome back. Happy New Year. This is Eyes on Golf with Jeff Eisenband. I'm excited to get 2024 rolling because if you listen, we 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 had four podcasts drop in December 2023. I call that a soft launch. I wanted to get my feet wet in this podcasting space, get things going, start to record, get out as many kinks as I could before the PGA Tour season actually started. And now that the season is back it's here i want to go hard into 2024 so we're starting off things fresh with doug smith dougie fresh my buddy my long time i now can call him a long time friend it's been a couple of years uh calling golf for pga tour live on espn plus he does a variety of stuff we'll go over golf channel next golf tour um some other things in the works for him also played professional golf he's pga professional certified or at least he says uh he's just done so many things for the game so i'm really excited to do this we've been talking both my fiance and his wife have said in the past you know you guys should just put a microphone in front of you guys and talk about golf so we wanted to do that here we talk about his career how he got to this point and also we break down a lot of things going on in golf right now whether that be tiger woods and nike whether that be some of the fashion of the game uh and also a little bit of the uh professional game and where its future might lie as 2024 progresses so doug smith coming up right here on eyes on golf to get us rolling in 2024 William Douglas Smith, welcome to Eyes on Golf. Jeff, you, <laughs> you lucky we you, friends, man. Calling me out by my whole my whole damn name, bro. Like, you know, people get slapped for stuff like that. You lucky you in New York, and I'm out here in AZ. But it's about the same weather either way it goes. What's happening, man? What's good? I, good acting, because obviously we, we did this the first time, and then we had to re-record. So I couldn't surprise you with that with that know, government name again. Well, you still pissed me off twice instead of just the first time. Now I'm still <laughs> angry about it. Well, I'm good. I'm good. We got language going right off the top. I want to introduce Doug Smith as, uh, you know, many things in the golf world. Played his college golf at Louisville and FAMU, pro golf at PGA Tour Latin America, the APGA Tour, various other stops, on-air hosts and analysts, whatever you may be, Doug, for Beyond the Fairway Golf Channel, PGA Tour Live. The next golf tour, we're going to have to talk about that. And how about this? If my research is right, the 2005 PGA Works Collegiate Champion is that is that a fact or can we can we confirm? Because I can't find the history of it. Wow. It's basically just in your bios, so you just say that that's what you did. You know what, Jeff? I appreciate all the accolades until you tried to wrap that up, and then you, really, you know, <laughs> again piss me off. Government name, double checking my bio. I feel like Trump right now, just getting fact checked the hell out of. Uh, yeah, I did win that in 2005. Kind of, you never know what's going to be kind of your crowning moment, I guess you could say. But that's back when I was good at golf. I feel like back then I couldn't miss a golf shot. But um, yeah, it's weird hearing all that shit when you put it like in order right like podcaster uh father well oh yeah you forgot that that's you did forget father that. father yeah. husband um part-time golfer now no it's it's been a uh it's been an interesting ride jeff i can't i can't uh i can't lie there but hey man i'm happy though you know what i mean like i'm i'm here with you i'm i got my eyes on golf i'm that's getting right. ready for this season like man i'm i'm, I'm sick of being bored jeff like, let's just be honest. I'm sick of being bored, but we'll talk more about that here in a minute. Yeah. No, let's talk a little bit. I want to tell talk people, we want to talk about a lot of things in golf, but I want to talk about your journey, your journey a little bit. 
um, starting from a kid in Versailles, Kentucky. Wow, you said it right. Spelled like Versailles, but Versailles. You said it correctly, Jeff. Not quite the Parisian speak in the state of Kentucky. (laughs) Uh, How does a kid in Versailles, Kentucky create this dream of becoming perhaps a professional golfer? Oh, my God. It's a bunch of accidents, man. I wouldn't call it a dream. Um, It's an interesting way to put it, man. I I've tried everything and failed, you know, and I think I'm, I'm still trying to do this work that I'm doing and I just haven't failed yet. So uh, I wouldn't st- say, I wouldn't say I'm going to cut you off there. Stay tuned but, for my but, next act. But uh, no, but I mean, go I, grew, on about this kid. I, I grew up, you know, playing golf and first of all, let me just say golf was a hell of a lot cheaper back then. I, I don't give like being young enough credit playing golf or trying to play golf. I snuck onto a lot of golf courses. Um, I grew up at a driving range. I was the product of like everybody's advice. So like when people sell me swing on the range, like I'd have two or three people saying, Hey son, if you, if you, if you do this, if you get your pronation and your supination, we can get you to hit it straight. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> um, and somehow all this randomness and instruction, uh, led me to, you know, get to college and, you know, I had a pretty good junior career, man. I kind of got, I kind of was cocky coming out of high school thinking I'd go play big time D one golf. And then I ended up actually walking on at the university of Louisville and, and play there for two years before me and the coach fell out. Me and Mark Crabtree had a little falling. Actually, we didn't fall out. He just told me, um, I'm not gonna have a spot for you next year, Doug, unless you have a monumental summer. And, you know, back then it's like, I got to the team and I'm thinking like, oh, I can take a breath. I don't have to fucking grind this summer. I don't have to play in every single tournament possible. I got a team to play on, but it turned out that the coach put me on, uh, put me on <laughs> all waivers, basically. Gosh, I feel like Aaron Hicks out there. Um, but no, I got put on waivers <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, I actually decided to give up the game and I was like the hell with golf. I had some other things happen that year at the, at the state am, um, there in Kentucky, I got left. I made the cut. My teammates had missed the cut, but they drove and we're like two hours away from home. And, um, that year I was like, you know what? Teammates from high school. I was like, the hell with this. I'm just gonna, I'm done with golf. And then I actually transferred to university of Kentucky, uh, where I was basketball manager in 2005, six season. So coming off a national championship, I quit golf, changed schools, and now I'm working basketball from university of Kentucky. Um, wait, 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 we're not just going to gloss over that. <laughs> Who are you working for at the University of Kentucky? Because this be more specific. This you gotta... this might be the best story of your entire life. <laughs> well, it's funny. I um, uh, you know, growing up, childhood, uh, my best friend's dad was Tubby Smith, so he was coaching at Kentucky. So I was already very familiar with like the ins and outs of UK basketball, and I you know basically grew up uh, when Rick was there, Rick Patino was there, you know, being around a game and you know friends of the family, etc. Name drops, I know, all over the place. Like, Wait, but you told me. You've told me in the past that Tubby Smith was your uncle. Yeah. Is he actually your uncle? Not my blood uncle. No, no, no. It's, it's my best friend's dad. And we use we used to say who's, we was cousins. Whose last name is also whose, Smith. Whose uh, last name is also Smith. So, yeah, let me clear okay. that up for everybody. But I still say to most people he's my uncle. I'm just, you know, I'm on record right now, Jeff. So I have mm-hmm. to make sure I yeah. tell the story correctly. But no, I, yeah. my, well, my best now that I Now that I know you've told the story a little differently when you just call him your uncle in the past. But go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I still say it's my uncle. I mean, like, my, it's my best friend's dad. You know, it's a guy I can call and, and whenever, you know, I have questions about life or just manhood growing up. So he's always kind of been there for me, um, kind of like an uncle. So that's why, you know, then the Smith thing and me and me and Brian were so close. We called each other, you know, cousins. So then it was, like, very confusing when you call somebody your cousin and then their dad's not your uncle. It's, it was a whole fuck. It was it was clustered. But uh, it's funny. I'm going to grab a picture for you to see, Jeff, because it, it's not going to make sense. 
uh, unless I show you this. So give me give me half a second, and you have to cut this during editing. I didn't know you'd want to go here, Jeff. So since we're here, <laughs> I want to show you a photo from the media guide that I kept. Uh, okay. I'm trying to find the camera shot. There's your boy all the way on the side over here. There he is. <laughs> you know, 2005. I'm over here beating shit up. Sorry, Jeff. You'll have to cut this. There he is. Bam. Part of the managerial wow. staff, the University of Kentucky. I don't have my ears in, Jeff, so you got to give me a second. But, uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a real life. I'll, I'll send you a picture of this or something, Jeff, if you want to use it as B-roll. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I switched it all up. You know, that's why I'm thinking, like, you know, if this golf thing don't work out, the broadcast, I might have to jump the basketball, man. Get back cracking. Yeah. You had more hair than we talked before uh, before we started. You know, that was a full head back then. No, at least I'm losing my hair in the back. You losing yours in the front. So, uh, uh, but let's, so, so you're the basketball straight. manager. You're the basketball manager at Kentucky. Yeah. Is the golf dream, is the golf dream dead or, or when does it come back? Um, it came back. It was, um, I remember like yesterday, it was February 06, right? We're getting ready to, we're doing a shoot around. And I remember, um, there's a player named Joe Crawford and Joe hell of a player out of Detroit. He came out, he had his, he had his penny kind of like draped over his neck, like a Cape. And he had no shirt on. He had, um, he had, you know, just no shirt and a Cape with his practice uni. And then he had his pants were down by his ankles and he just came out just, and, and Joe's a, a stand up dude, but this day, he just was slouchy. He looked like shit. I'll just be honest with you. And then when I saw Joe look like that, I said, I said it out loud. I tapped one of the other managers and I was like, look at this fool. Got all this God given talent and he chooses to represent himself like this. Like, look how he is misrepresenting himself. And then it kind of hit me like, you got God given talent too. Like you, you can, you can play golf and you choosing to wipe sweat off the floor and hand um hand these guys water and and do whatever the coaches tell you to do at any time of the day 100 percent of the time and when all that kind of hit me i got angry about it and i was like i called every hbcu coach in the country because look i had just come off winning a, a, a championship national championship so um i got on the phone got on the phone tried to call everybody i was actually on my way to lincoln university in missouri and um, I got a call back from Marvin Green at FAMU. And he's like, yo, you come down to FAM. We got some cheese for you. And I was like, all right, that's what I'm doing. I'm heading I'm heading to Florida A&M. And that's, I enrolled Florida A&M the next semester. So uh, back playing golf and then the NCAA. I, I wish the rules were how they are now. Because I be actually would have made like, you know, thirty forty thousand dollars in the college i had some i could have had some deals man but had to sit out when i got the fam so only played when you add up everything me sitting out me transferring three schools undergrad i only played two and a half semesters of golf in college there was no instagram back then either can you imagine oh, doug God. smith star hbcu golfer back then um i'd be canceled that's what would have happened <laughs> if their instagram was back there no question I'm gonna keep that. Uh, you know, I got wife and kids now, so I ain't gonna go into that how I could. But we're gonna keep it right here. <laughs> I want to go into you know after all this. So you know you're out, then you're back in, and then you try you know the pro golf dream, um, which uh, you talk about all that that whole journey. Uh, you know, playing in high school, bouncing around three different colleges, and then it still doesn't get any easier <laughs> after college. Trying to make it. I know you moved around a bit. What was that journey like? Trying to make it. Well, when I graduated, I graduated in December. 
of 08, right? So um, I lost my mom in February of 09. So just becoming like this newly, like, let me find a job. I'm sort of trying to play, blah, blah, blah. I, you know, had like the worst thing that could have anybody happen. So now I got to figure out which way's up. So um, a year of just not knowing, like, fuck, bro, I went, I went through some, I went through some shit that, that first year without moms. And then um, I was like, okay, I got to put a plan together. I got to, I got So when I graduated, I went back to Kentucky. I was working at a shoe store uh, in a department store called Elder Beerman, part of the Parisian network. You ever been to Parisian? This part is like, uh, that's what I said. Ver- Versailles, Versailles, Kentucky, Parisian. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm selling shoes. I'm trying to figure life out. And then, um, one thing led to another and i was like you know what i'm gonna go back to tallahassee so i, I told my fam i'm gonna give Where you a year is, yep. i'm gonna go back to tallahassee and uh the coach was like doug i'll make you assistant coach i can't pay you but i'll make you assistant coach i had, had some insurance money for mom's death uh i called my teammate uh james petty he was like i'm going back to school to get my master's i was like bet because i'm gonna need a roommate and he's like what you doing i'm going back to tallahassee he's like oh i'll be in tallahassee blah blah blah, blah. so i wrote you know, I had like my dad issued me like eight grand, right? So I wrote like a forty two hundred dollar check for my apartment up front. I was like, I might not have a job, I might not have water, I might not have electricity, but I'll have a place to sleep. Like, and if I can just have a place to sleep, I'm be Gucci. And then um short story long, I I met someone and met someone, then then I was at the course one day and this is a day I'll never forget either. Uh, James Ammons, the fan, the president of Florida A&M, was playing golf for a day I, I was practicing. And this is a day I did not want to practice. It took everything in me to go to the course, Jeff. I was like, fuck golf today. Mm-hmm. And luckily I went because that's the day that changed my life. Um, he put me, He met. I met him. We talked a little bit. He's like, what are you doing for money? I was like, uh, I'm trying to figure that out right now. He said, Gave me a phone number. I called a, a lady who turned out to be uh, a mentor of mine because after after I got back to Tallahassee, I actually couldn't afford to play golf professionally, so I had to actually get a job. So then I was the I was the assistant to the vice president of university relations. So I was the the VP of fundraising for Florida A and M. I was her assistant, so I was scheduling meetings sure. and hair appointments. Man, it, <laughs> so. Um, this is such a long story to actually tell. Like every time I tell this story, it's like, I got to figure out how to condense this shit. So FAMU for two years, turned that into a job with IMG. So then I was, a, uh, I was selling uh, sports marketing packages uh, for, that's another two years. You're a hustler. You're a hustler. No, I was just blessed to be around people that like wanted to see me like not be homeless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really off. Like it wasn't about the brand. It was like, just, let me take care of this kid. So IMG took care of me for a couple of years. I had some golf relationships. So then I parlayed that. You know, I called the team at IMG because that year, the second year I worked at IMG, you had Brooks Kepka and Cheyenne Woods coming out of college, who both mm-hmm. I had really good relationships with. So I was like, yo, if I can bring one of them on IMG as a sponsored athlete, then I got a gig as an agent. I'm going to be the baby agent, da, da, da. So neither one of them signed. Like Brooks went to Hamburg Sporks. Mark Steinberg had just started Excel. Like he started Excel that same year. And Cheyenne went with, you know, of course she went with where Tiger was. And um, yeah, I left IMG. <laughs> they were like, what the hell is this kid? He said he had relationships. He don't have shit. Like we didn't even get either one of them. We got meetings. That was it. So 
<laughs> well, did you know Brooks from Florida because he went to Florida State because yeah. of Tallahassee? Yeah, yeah. We back then, I don't know how it is now. The Florida State men's golf team and the FAMU men's golf team were all relatively close. You know, they had um, yeah Cam Smith on, like not that Cameron Smith. There's another Cam mm-hmm. or Nick Smith, excuse me. Uh, Seth Lauer, Jonas Blitz, Brooks Kepka, um, Berger was being recruited back then. Uh, mm-hmm. but we were all a close knit kind of group. You know, we used to watch entourage every Sunday, you know, eight o'clock, you know, we, they had HBO over there, you know, we didn't have no HBO. So, <laughs> so we would go over there and, and kick it, man. I mean, we was all broke, you know, so we, you know, we all pulled money to order food and watch what we could watch. Wasn't no sharing of, of Netflix accounts and shit back then. So, you know, we had a really good relationship. Uh, we fam, you golfers with, with the Florida state team. And I know, I mean, there was a time, I know you moved to Fort Lauderdale when you were really chasing the dream hard, had some status. Uh, what was that time like for you? Well, let me say this. I did make it all the way to senior director of advancement, right? I was making okay. some good cheese out near I, where I'm, you at. I'm proud you know, of you. I'm you know what I mean? I had made it all the way up. And then I learned how to fundraise and I was like, well, shit, let me fundraise some bread for myself, you know? And then I had saved some money and then uh, I've never seen over like 120,000 to like leave my account, Jeff, so fast. <laughs> Cause like, look, I left my job in November and I went to Q school in January for PJ tour Latin America. <laughs> that was the dumbest, smartest thing I've ever done. I, I didn't, pl- I didn't have enough planning going in to leaving the office, turning pro. Um, I, I was caught by um, not having a place to play, you know, I thought I had plenty of money, but it was actually a finite amount of money. And I only had a finite window to use that bread. And so two years chasing, chasing golf around the minis in Florida, APGA bouncing down to um, Latin America to play in events. And I ran out of money so damn fast. I ran out of money in about 18 months for real. Cause I was like, Oh, I can do this. I can go here. Well, was it Monday qualifiers that were running you dry? No, no, no. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't afford to do that. Like, mm-hmm. not like not monetarily afford. It was one of those things where I learned early on as I was leaving the office, like seventy had become kind of my floor, and that's and that's just honest, right? A good round for a great round for me was sixty five. A kind of average day that's not like embarrassing was seventy. And when you string a bunch of seventies together and you're playing in tournaments where the cuts are eight, you know, seven, eight, six under par, mm-hmm. you miss a lot of cuts. And so when I was measuring, um, when I did my SWOT analysis, if you will, between chasing Mondays, the upside was greater, but yeah. there was there was too much to lose. So like I played in a, a Monday qualifier right when I graduated. I played in a, before it was a, 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 what's it called? FedEx Cup event, the um, the St. Jude. I went down a Monday for it, missed it by one. I uh, I was like six under with like four to play. I was playing with Carlos Franco and I was like, dude, I'm in this shit. Like my first time Monday qualifying, like I started peacocking down there at this course in Memphis and uh, I finished like bogey, 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 like par and uh-huh. missed, it, missed it by one. I was like, damn. And then I went back home to Kentucky. I had dro- drove down to Memphis and stayed with a friend. I had spent 1100 bucks. And so uh-huh. when I, when I saw like that early on, it was like, okay, if I chase Mondays, I get nothing out of it. But if I play bad and finish top third, I can get a check. So let me go mm-hmm. try to play somewhere where there's some some money coming back in. And that was I probably should have chased the Mondays or just got better. Should have just been better. Play better, Doug. 
Um, play, play better. It's, it's exactly right. I, I, I want to. We've talked a lot about you know. I know you spent some time practicing at the Ledbetter Academy down there in Florida. Well, I, I, believe, I, I worked. I worked at worked Champions there. Gate. So yeah, you know, I, I was uh, yeah, I, I did practice there, but I was also an employee. But but I think people you know don't quite understand like especially at that time you were there and I guess it would have been. You know, just like you, you said, you were done with college around 2008, so a little bit after that. No, no, no. Uh, it, was, there, it was during college. I went, it was during I, college. I worked at Ledbetter during the summers. So instead so, of going back home in the summer from college, I stayed. I would go down to Orlando from Tallahassee. And you would see, you saw some guys, some some PGA Tour and LPGA Tour players grinding Yeah. as, as I want to say, kids back then. What uh, was that? What was yeah, that like? I mean, there's so many names, man, uh, that 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 used to kind of be staples back then. I mean, you had Tony and Gipper Finau, you had Michelle Wee, uh, Bart Bryant, um, Trevor Immelman, Charles Howe was down there. I'm trying to think of all the names, and then you still had, yeah, you, know, you had Ledbetter coaching. You had uh, Kevin Smeltz was there, who I worked with. Um, Sean Hogan was there, who's still with Ledbetter. He's a tour guy for Leds to de- to this day. Um, it was crazy because you got to really measure yourself against some of the best player, players that were already established. You know, Maria Yorth was down there. Um, Suzanne Pedersen was down there. And, and the cool part was I got to play with a lot of these players like back then. We're talking about 2004, 2005. So um, Tony, and, Tony and Gipper were, you know, we all were kids back then. And mm-hmm. then you had, you know, the Thomas Koglers and things, guys that, you know, unfortunately didn't make it, but were hell of a player. So just going out and playing with the Ledbetter team, man, you better show up because I've seen Tony shoot nothing, like like 60, you know, on the national course out there. And um, it was uh, it was a great proving ground. Um, and and you got to pick people's – it was so accessible. Uh, granted, I also had this veil of, like, employment over me, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. I, had, I had a little different access than most people. House money. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was chilling. But um, – you know, David let me practice back there when I, you know, we got off work. I've never, that's the best job to this day, broadcast included. Working at Champions Gate was probably the best job I've ever had. Minus the, the time you have to get up to get to work. But I used to work the double nickel, 555. You better be there, baby. So I work from 530 and change. A triple nickel. 530 and change, get off at noon. So at noon, they let me back to the Ledbetter Academy. There was a par three little like short course behind it. I had two mm-hmm. courses I could play. Man, life was great. No responsibility. Oh, I was living good. I know Tony still takes your money now, but back then, <laughs> Tony and Gipper, how close were they to each other in skill? Uh, back then, Gipper was the one. Mm-hmm. Tony was t- Gipper was more like me personality wise. You know, kind of big personality, uh, chatty, always had something to say. And Tony was 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 very kind of reserved, and just when you talk to him, it felt like Gipper was was that dude, was that one that was really mm-hmm. gonna gonna like take off. And then you know, as life had it, you know, Tony kind of began, you know, and back then Tony swung farther, like he he actually swung to the top. But <laughs> dude, those guys hit it so far back then, like so far. And again, we're talking mid two thousands, and I was long, but when I played with Tony and Gipper, like. I had to put my pride in my pocket because they was going to beat it past me. Not so much now, have, though, Tony. Not so much. <laughs> I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Hallie on this podcast eventually. Uh, was Was young Hallie Ledbetter just uh, trying to take notes from Doug Smith on the range back? Oh then? no, you know it's funny. I never saw Hallie. I always saw Andy. Never saw mm-hmm. Hallie. So um, it's I knew who she was, you know, back then. But like I'd never seen her. I think 
back at that point, I think Led had just moved like physically to yeah. um to Lake Nona. So she had more of her her upbringing, if you will, at, at Lake Nona versus Champions Gate. Yeah, she wasn't hanging out with scrubs like you. Not then. Um, Not then. <laughs> she can uh, now, though. But before we kind of, yeah, before we kind of, yeah, she has to hang out with us now. Before we transition, I think, to kind of some more modern stuff, I, I want to also hear, because, you know, I, I call you sometimes, Doug, you know, golf's most interesting man. We haven't <laughs> even gotten to the point that it, you eventually moved to Columbus, Ohio. You were doing fundraising for Ohio State, but more importantly, you were caddying at Muirfield Village. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What was that all like at a place like we know so much about Muirfield Village during that week at the Memorial Tournament presented mm-hmm. by Workday, by the way. Jesus. We wow. know so much what about that week. What goes on at Muirfield Village the rest of the year? I mean, honestly, it's the same. Like, you know, the village is a well-oiled machine. And let me let me preface this. When I worked at Ohio State, I would overflow caddy at the village, right? So if they had like pro-ams or events where they needed more loopers, that's when I would loop. I would actually take a day off from Ohio State. You were a freelance caddy. caddy. I was freelance caddy. That's a good way to put it. And then, you know, I moved to New York and then moved back to Columbus. And when I moved back to Columbus, I was driving Uber and working. That's when I had turned pro. So I was driving for Uber and I was caddying at uh, the village. And I had a country club membership. So that was actually uh, very interesting. Mm dynamic because oh, I, I would caddy I for yeah. fellow members <laughs> at my club and they they never knew how to greet me because it's like you know usually they ask me about how i'm doing and now they're like hesitant to give me the club and i'm like john i'm at work give me the damn club i got your bag on my back i got i also got so-and-so's bag on my other shoulder um i think the hard part about looping in any caddy yard is like just ego i think i had mm-hmm. a i had a, my ego was a little too big um to, to really like ascend as a caddy. <laughs> I was not the one that was going to be like, I hate, and I'm not trying to talk shit to caddies out there, but you got to bite your tongue too much. You got to be almost a little subservient or submissive to like the members so that you secure the bag that you need to live with. And I just wasn't fucking with it, to be honest with you. I was kind of like, nah, nah, I can't, I can't loop. But the bread was quick, fast, and easy. Um, and so, uh, well, let me rephrase it. It wasn't easy. Double bag loop, and that's uh, 8.6 miles on the straight line at Muirfield Village and 80 flights of steps up and down. Um, so it's it's not, thanks Fitbit for those those remarks. Um, but uh, it's not an easy walk. But, you know, it's it's a great place. Uh, it was a well-oiled machine, you know. And then everybody got scared when Jack was on property. But at the time, I was the high school golf coach at Upper Arlington High School. Um, right. which was Jack's school. So when Jack came on proper, property and everybody was tight-assed, I was walking up to him saying, what up, Jack? How you living? Like, what's happening? Like, so it was a very um, and he would very say unique what, And he would say, what up, Doug? Yeah. Uh, look, J- Jack doesn't know me from anybody. Like, you know what I'm saying? But the thing about it is if, if I get time with Jack and I've had multiple times with Jack, he remembers the kid that said that, right? It's like, oh, you were, yeah, that's right. You were the coach. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I was the co- yes. So um, I'm like snap recognizable with Jack. You know what I mean? Where it's like, hey, Mister Nicholas, you- and he's like, um, you did the. <laughs> Tell me what you did and why I'm not like running from you. So yeah, or not having security come throw you out of my presence. That's that's a better way to describe that. Well, I believe you had you had a you had a one. You've told me one story with Jack that you guys actually, yeah. I believe, were in the same car at one point. What happened then? Yeah. So. Jack was being inducted to the Upper Arlington, 
Upper Arlington. Let me take that again, please. Sorry. <clears throat> Jack was being inducted into the Upper Arlington Hall of Fame, right? And so I was the head coach at the time. And, um, you know, we're at the OSU Golf Club, which he redesigned, blah, blah, blah. And we're in the, the van. And I, my job was to, like, just be there and entertain him until it was time to bring him in. So Barbara had left and everybody had left to go organize everything. And it's just me and Jack chilling. And, you know, I'm not afraid to talk, right? So it's just me and Jack. And I, he's he's in the passenger seat, but I'm in, like, the back seat, like, behind him in, like, a 17-passenger kidnapper van. So, like, give you this setup. And it's parked, like, on the 18th green, which is really weird and how to get there. It's, like, right by it. So it's around back of the golf club. And I look at Jack, and I was like, Mr. Nicholas, and I never call him Jack. I would never do that. I hate when people call him Jack. Have some respect. And I was like, Mr. Nicholas, why will they – why will you go down as – as referred to as one of the greatest golfers of all time. And he gave me the best three prong answer I'd ever heard. He said, no, number one, I was, I was, you know, I worked hard, you know, I practiced, uh, you know, longer hours, him and Jack grout out, out at Scioto country club, blah, 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 practice hard. And he's like, well, I was better prepared than everybody. And I was like, you know, I don't know if the story goes, Jack would actually pace things off from tree to tree. So he knew how far, you know, everything was back then. There's no range finders, of course. So, he said he was better prepared. So he worked harder and he was better prepared. And he leaned into me, Jeff, and he looked at me and he's got these like really freaking bluey eyes. It's kind of terrifying how blue his eyes are. And he goes, and I swear they turned fire red. And he goes, and I was better than everybody. And I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that's, I've never felt so small. Like when, when Jack Nicholas looks you in the eye, like this close, like leaning back like this and says, and I was better than everybody. Like the, I even telling the story, I've told the story a hundred thousand times. I still get chills when I tell that story. Still, you didn't look at him and say, "I'm better than everybody." Hell no! You better recognize <laughs> who you was talking to. Like that's what, like I don't think people understand, man. Like Jack, Jack could do things that nobody could do, you know. And I mean, Tiger is killing himself off the golf course and still trying to beat this dude. <laughs> like Tiger has had wrecks. He's been beaten. He had a bad bout with a fire hydrant. And this MFR is still trying to beat Jack Nicholas. And Jack ain't touched the club in how long? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm just leaving it out there. Put that right there for you, Jeff. Well, I think that sums up a lot of the uh a lot of the pre-golf broadcasting life of Doug Smith. But now <laughs> I want to go to uh You're gonna bore you have you live a you live to death. you live a very on-air life now, a full-time on-air life. How did that come to be? How did you get into the golf broadcasting and hosting game? You know, this story is so underwhelming. Like, it's so I'm, – I'm almost embarrassed to say, like, how we got it. Look, I'm a – I don't think it's – I don't think it's that All underwhelming. All right, so it starts with failing, right? You got to fail first, you know. After I failed at trying to play golf, I became a, um, a, a head golf professional at a golf course and hated not being able to cuss the people out that wanted to be disrespectful. And it's like sure. – we're cart path only. I just planted brand new grass on the golf course. You're not going to drive your cart on the brand new unsprouted seeds yet. Sorry. Just... So it was the, the customer service of it all that I, I, uh, I seemed to fail at. And so yeah, okay. um, I moved to Phoenix, started working for TrueSpec. TrueSpec Golf kind of moved me out here for playing. So a lot of respect for the folks over there um, at the time. Uh, from True Spec and brought me out to Phoenix. The only person I knew out here was Cheyenne Woods. My wife, she's a producer. She does a lot of content, commercials, et cetera, shows. And she was like, you and Doug, 
to Cheyenne, y'all need to start a podcast. And I was like, man, I don't mm. even listen to podcasts. I'm not even, I still don't listen to podcasts, to be quite honest. With you. I'm sorry to let you down. Um, it's true. You've only hosted multiple podcasts. Yeah, no, it's just very true. But um, we did that for three years. So I was, you know, fitting golf clubs and, and working for True Spec. I ran their mobile fitting program. And what uh, what had happened is I had created kind of this network of, of PGA professionals from, you know, doing the job that I had to do. But I also created, you know, a network within kind of the industry of people I had access to uh, at different OEMs and, and different kind of brands, if you will. So I had this very interesting kind of like connection to a lot of points of the game. And then I had a podcast and that podcast gave me hours of content that was viewable or, or searchable. Right. So, um, Will Lowry, who, you know, he pitched a, a podcast to NBC and he pitched a three voice podcast, two guys and, and a girl voice, female voice, excuse me. They said, no, we didn't like it. The pilot they had shot. And so luckily for me, uh, Will called me. He was like, Hey man, you want to do this show on NBC? And I was like, are you, are you interested in doing a podcast on NBC? And I was like, hell yeah. Like what the hell what kind of question is that? And, um, he was like, we got to record a, uh, we got to record a demo. And I was like, you know, I got birdies, not BS. You know, me and Cheyenne had already done three seasons or two seasons at at that point. And I was like, yo, let me send you the link. You know, we used to use, uh, I think we used Riverside then. I forget what we used, Jeff. And sent him the link. We jumped on, like, he called me at like one. We had already had it, the episode in the can by three. Uh, quick put it out. People liked it. That actually served as the, the demo to NBC. And they were like, yo, let's go. And, uh, Molly Solomon, who was, um, the, the EVP, uh, or executive producer of golf channel at the time was, called me and she was like, hello, is this Doug? And I answered, <laughs> I've told you this story, Jeff. I answered the phone. I'm like, yo, huh? <laughs> who this? I don't know no Molly's. She's like, it's Molly, it's Molly Solomon from NBC. <clears throat> yes, hi, Miss Solomon, Doug Smith, <laughs> wonderful. I've never code switched so fast in my life. Um, and she and I had a, had a great relationship. We still do, and um, I, I appreciated her taking taking opportunity on two knuckleheads. And then I got a call from from uh, actually I had an email sent from Henny Koyak. Shout out to Henny. Um, to Greg Hopfe at PJ Tour Live because she had heard that they were expanding voices. She sent them my pod, uh, some things I had done for Golf Channel. And then I'm on air with Jeff Eisenband for my very first broadcast. That's tough. My very first broadcast without training wheels. You know, first PGA Tour broadcast. Well, no, no, no. I had done done Corn Ferry and the Shriners before Mm -hmm. we we got together for Amex. And... um, It's so random, man. I, I just feel like if you if you do the things that that you like and love and you're half decent at it, people will like find you, you know, like and I feel like I've been found. And but when you get to the top of kind of one mountain, you're at the bottom of the next. So even though, Jeff, you and I, we have this great opportunity, you know, with PJ Tour and broadcasting and golf space. Now we're at the bottom, like we're the new guys on the block and, you, you know, we're the guys with no stripes. So we got to we got to earn them, man. We're in like rookie league, single A, you know, we're trying to work our way up. Yeah. Actually, I want to talk about that because we're coming up on the two year anniversary, Doug. I'm, I'm going back down uh, next week. We're taping this. I'm going back down next week to uh, to St. Augustine to do 
the Amex mm-hmm. to do the American Express. So that first, I think this was it's rude. Well, you're you're doing you got a, a lot coming down, but um, let's talk about that first broadcast that we did. So it's the it's it's essentially the first full ESPN Plus PGA Tour Live. This deal's been in the works for this deal's <laughs> been in the works for like two to three years. They did the two events in Hawaii, but those were one stream. So now we're going four streams, wall four to wall streams, coverage, baby. everything. First time so you ever. Got, you got main feed. Doug, they got the they got the A team. Swanee, Swanee and Mark Immelman are in there. Doesn't you get know, bigger than like, that. Like we bigger. we you know, I think you know, we're friend we're very close with them now. I think then, you know, we came mm-hmm. into that studio before, just want to say hi to everyone, you know, a little wide eyed. You got you got marquee group, featured group, A team. A team. Oh, everybody. Everybody was <laughs> was everybody had been doing it for as long as we'd been alive. <laughs> and then they're like, you know, featured holes. We don't know. You know, we don't know what they were thinking, Doug. They're probably thinking, you know, we're not sure. This is going to be different featured holes. Let's try something. Let's yeah. put these two yeah. young guns on. And I, I had, I had known you through Instagram. You know, I had followed you, and I was excited because I knew I was like, I'm getting something different. You know, I'm getting the different. The black I'm guy. Not saying, I'm getting the black guy. That's I, the, I'm getting no? something different. Oh, you're talking about different. Okay, sorry. Don't yeah, energy. I think was uh, okay. Was that was the word. Um, Got it. And and we met the night before in person for the first time, mm-hmm. and we had found out we had one mutual connection, right? Claire, shout out Claire, Claire Kato, Kai, Kaido. Sorry from from the working at had been working for the Knicks, um, and and went to Ohio State. But mm-hmm. we we show up that first day and we're like, let's try something different. Let's go at it. And we are just bouncing off the walls mm-hmm. for the that first segment the first the beginning of pga tour live the first featured holes first pga tour live on espn plus of the amex Damn. we're going kind of crazy we're doing our thing we're feeling ourselves and i remember we leave kind of the studio for our first break <laughs> and people are looking at us like what the heck did these guys just do oh yeah no I th- <laughs> the thing is i think for the first time you saw uh damn um for the first time you saw broadcasters have fun like you know we don't see it like having been in the industry now for a little bit and work with different teams like when when broadcasters leave everybody like disperses right it's not like they hang out well some hang out but yeah. everybody the the senior ones kind of leave and and don't um don't really you know hang around drink whatever so I think for the first time you saw two guys come out excited about what they had done, um, proud of what they had done, and knew they did something different, right? Like when we get on the ones and twos, you're not gonna get the same, the same. Uh, you're not gonna get Kurt Byram and 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 Jim Nance. You know, uh, the, yes, those are two different networks, but I, I did that on purpose. You're gonna get, you're gonna get golf. How I think you and I wanted want to hear it. I think that was our whole premise was let's do this how we would like to hear it. And that's what we did. We didn't Dude. have anything to lose. That shit know? to lose. That nothing to lose. Not a thing. <laughs> I remember I remember uh I, I remember looking at you, someone hit an approach shot and I was like, that's probably about a six foot, seven foot, eight foot putt. And you're like like we're we're talking about Waka Flocka out here. And like nothing else is close to that on the other stream. So we were proud of it. I think we look back, we've talked about this, Doug. We've looked back at our first year together on PGA Tour Live, been like, what were we doing? Like, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. 
like perhaps. First of all, I was a little Wayne. Gotten... I know, it was a little Wayne reference. I got to clear this sorry. up. It was I'm a not, six I'm foot, not, you're, seven you're foot, a, sorry, sorry, eight sorry. foot. Yeah, I'm just yeah. little Wayne. That now. was important. Yeah, yeah, we cleared that up. Here we go. Um, sorry. Yeah, we can we can we can clear the audio. We can we can right. we can fix no, all that. Um, no, but I think that that um. You know, I look back and I'm like, wow, we were getting excited about guys chipping to like four feet. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, uh, all right, not everything, um, you know, was uh, was perfect. But I think that we liked bringing something different. And I think the question that I have for you is when you get on air, not just with me, but whether it be beyond the fairway, whether it be some of the other events that you've done for Golf Channel, you know, how are you trying to be different? How are you trying to create your own unique voice out there well i think it starts though jeff with with and let me say this because it's timely because kevin kisner just went on air for the century right and there some people were like oh i love kiss some people were like i hated him he sounded like everybody else the hard part was when you start this stuff man like you 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 sound like you think they want you to sound Mm -hmm. right so it's let me do the broadcast voice and on the t from so and so nothing it's jeff eisenband or the PGA Tour proudly presents the season long. You know, you have to you put the whole shit on. Yeah, and um, unless you're Mayan Patel, and that's just how you are. Exactly, unless you're Mayan Patel, and you actually speak like this, Mayan. Uh, <laughs> um, but once you kind of like learn, I, luckily for me, I have I have a mentor right in the in this space, Michael Eves from ESPN, and mm-hmm. you know when I'm when I'm when I'm questioning something or I do something, I send it to him for him to to take, and and I'm so fortunate. Uh, for him, he's a Kentucky guy too. Shout out! He p- went to University of Kentucky. Um, I grew up watching him on local news, by the way, when I was a kid. So it's like I That's really crazy. have this admiration for Eves. And now that I know him, I send him my stuff, and he was like, "And Eves is cold blooded, man. Like, he put you in your place." He, he said, "What the fuck is this?" And I was like, "Damn, like, why? Do, why you sound like that?" And I'm like, "What <laughs> you mean? Why I sound like that? Put the voice on." And he's like, "Don't do that again." Like. Look, mm-hmm. if you want to stay around, be you. If you want to get bounced out of here, then do the shit that you're doing. And I was like, like, I wish I could hear Michael Eves off air. Um, <laughs> he's like, he's like Samuel L. Jackson in every movie, right? Like, um, so no, it was, it was. I, I really, I hated the gut punch at the time, and I think it applies to you too, Jeff. I think we've talked about this before. It's like, you know. When I got permission to be me, it's kind of mm-hmm. when I felt like that's when things started like changing. Um, when I really just was like, I don't care if you don't want me for this project or that project. I'm going to do mm-hmm. this shit right here. And if you like it, cool. If you don't like it, go find somebody else that'll fit your box. And um, that's benefited me. And I think that'll benefit a lot of people. Don't Don't be like what you think you should be be who you are and figure out how to, how to navigate as your true authentic self. And I think, I think that's been my, my, my saving grace is, you know, I am a curious person. I am a forgetful person. I do call people out, you know, just put all that shit together. And that's, you know, if it works out for NBC, CBS, ABC, whatever alphabet place, great. Holler at me. If not, fuck it. I'll go find something else to do. Well, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, find people who believe in you. I think for you, it's been about finding people who believe in the person that you are being on air, you know, actually believe in you being yourself on air has been important. Uh, I want to talk 
about it. some some things happening in golf right now because like your wife has basically said she's heard us on the phone and just said put a microphone in front of you guys yeah, to talk about all, all it time, and and yesterday we were talking about tiger and nike and i mean you're you're a little bit older than me doug you know i'm just going to be honest <laughs> here but so like i look at it i'm 30 years old tiger's been with nike 27 and a half years obviously yeah. that relationship ended this week as we are talking mm -hmm. uh so for me it's i've never seen anything different you know i was debating friends yesterday i was saying to me tiger woods in a red nike polo or not a polo just a red nike shirt could be a mock turtleneck sweater whatever it is black hat with the tw logo to me that is as recognizable as michael jordan in a chicago bulls jersey Derek jeter in a new york yankees jersey yeah you know we'll see if if tiger's next brand gives him a red shirt and we don't see it any different but what do you make of you know the last 27 and a half years first of all and the way that things went down with the split happening now you know i'm gonna take a different way to answer this question man when you look at nike nike likes to be a part of things that are wait we uh, should preface this with you you have been a part of team nike before but five years five years yeah. and, not and, now not now yeah, but you contract. have been a part no but like it's not like i don't respect nike like when i was a kid mm -hmm. i grew up wanting to be a you know, on, I want to wear Nike. I want to do the XYZ with Nike. I wanted Nike and I got that. So I got to check off the box, whether Nike stays around the game of golf or not. That's, I got, I have five years to rock the, in my opinion, the dopest brand, um, out. Um, mm -hmm. so t Nike doesn't own the red shirt. Nike mm -hmm. doesn't own the black hat. Nike doesn't own the foot joys that Tiger wears. <laughs> so For sure. um the issue is is how iconic the two things were you know nike had like you know you go back to sevi ballesteros like i think he was one of the first cats mm -hmm. that wore the swoosh um yep. you know in golf i remember the blue shoot at the uh, open championship those those old videos um but but to go back to my point nike wants to be where there's dynamic be it racial, social um, hurdles that are being jumped and broken down and um, just the the PR from it, you know, the brand wants to be associated with it. And if, if you look at golf right now, there's nothing dynamic. There's nothing social. There's nothing controversial about the players, uh, especially mm -hmm. from a, a social economic well, background perspective. Now you can talk yeah. live and all that shit, of course. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the players, there is no one that is breaking down racial barriers or or socioeconomic changes that are happening in the game of golf like there were back in the 90s with Tiger signed the deal with Nike originally. You can't say mm -hmm. that's the same. Um, so that's one of the things, too, that Nike's probably weighed in. It's kind of like, well, 27 years of breaking shit down. Well, shit's broke now. And then there's just... I, I just don't think Nike has has an interest in the game of golf anymore. Uh, it's just my opinion. This is not backed by data or science or anything. Mm -hmm. I just think there's there's other places to make money uh, for that brand. And I think golf is has there's been so many boutique brands and things that have popped up the the Graysons, the Robacks, mm -hmm. where they've taken so much of Nike's market share. Where Nike's kind of like, well. Y'all not over here, so we just gonna put some bread. And there's a dynamic person over here. We are gonna do that, or we gonna go over there. So um, I'm interested to see what Nike does. I'm interested to see what Jordan brand does when we're talking about the mm -hmm. brands. But I know that's not the question, but um, I'm just interested to see kind of how all this plays out. I think it's too soon, Jeff, and we need some more information from a lot of other sources. 
but I think not seeing the swoosh on Tiger to your original question, um, it's going to be different. But I think like now it's it's common. People change brands, change logos, change whatever, like fairly consistently now. So, but he's Tiger. You know, you think about some of those athletes that I just mentioned from a Nike standpoint, like you know Jordan, Michael Jordan, Nike, Jordan. Well, I think LeBron I don't think James. yeah I don't think Le- of Jordan is Nike though. Well, you think okay, but but that's where yeah no we I get, get in we yeah. can get into should a TW offshoot yeah. have been created like Air Jordan, yeah. LeBron James. I'm saying I've used Derek Jeter as an example, uh, but I think Roger Federer is the guy to look to right now. Mm-hmm. And I brought this up. You know, we talked a little bit about it. Uh, you know, Roger Federer left Nike after mm-hmm. 24 years. They signed him when he was 13 years old. And should have signed right? him when I was 13. Damn. Well, I won't. I yeah yeah. It would have been different going playing college golf back then. But they signed him. Roger Federer leaves Nike 2018, 2019. He signs with this budding Swiss company on, which I know, Doug, we, we've seen we've seen you. I call them the air dad ones when you've won the ons. But I'll tell you what, maybe I should take that back because right around when I said that to you, um, Roger Federer on goes public. Roger Federer's stake is now worth 200 million. To me, I think that is a big that is a big driving factor for someone like Tiger Woods that could look around, see what Tom Brady is doing, whether you know his crypto stuff worked or not. Athletes of Tiger's stature can command so much, yeah. not just cash but equity in these companies that maybe that's where he's thinking right now. Well, he's already got the groundwork laid with tgr you know what i mean it's already tiger right tgr he's already got logos he's already got whatever he needs unless he wants to jump on a different bandwagon and or be like charlie and sign an nf nil deal with grayson he's not gonna happen i really don't see that happening but look like to your point there's there's i think the whole live combo with tiger and we heard this you know 800 million or whatever number for tiger uh billion dollars i think tiger probably looked at that and was like you know what I, I'm at a point where I don't need Nike. Let me start my own thing. And put, I just don't hope, I hope people understand that it's not a single-sided thing, though. It's not like Tiger mm-hmm. left Nike. They didn't mm-hmm. renew the deal that they had had in place. Uh, it was, I don't know if it was a mutual split, but it wasn't like middle finger deuces, I'm up out of here, right? It was, it was amicable. It was, thank you for the years, right? It wasn't this, whole, like, this divisive, like, I think split just really sounds divisive, like, yeah. It's over. They dissolve. Dissolve might be a better word. Um, but I'm interested to see what Tiger does, man. Does he does he has the brand and the name, the recognition to really start something dope? And if he starts something new, I'm probably gonna wear it. I'll be honest with you. It's Tiger. One place, one place I don't think he's going, Doug, is Malbin Golf. Um, <laughs> which we saw your boy, Jason Day, wearing for the first time debuting this past week. He leaves Nike to take on a sponsorship with Malbin Golf. Feels like a perhaps potentially a big moment in golf fashion what did you make of his outfit at the century um i would have i would have i would have done it a little different uh but look jason made a statement and uh the malbin the malbin team um shout out to steve malbin that's a good close friend of mine and i'm proud of, of what they've done um Whenever you get people talking good or negative, especially about fashion, it's positive. So the impressions mm-hmm. that J Day got, man, you gotta uh, you gotta respect what they're what they're doing over there, right? Like if you hate it or you love it, me, I probably would have changed the pants, 
a little wide for my liking. I'm just saying, I like a little more tapered look. But that's the point. Like fashion is is to the, you know whoever is it's the eye of the beholder, right? Like what is fashion? What's not fashion? Like what's your style? What's not your style? And and you know at the end of the day, you got to give Jason Day a lot of credit because he looks like no other player on tour right now. And I think mm-hmm. like we kind of got into this sheep mentality with the PGA tour with, with the clothing, like Alex Van Royen goes out and wears joggers and everybody's like, Oh, what the hell? Right. And it's like, hell, Eric. you wore a hoodie two years ago. If you're Terrell Hatton, it was a story. And now it's like mm-hmm. as common as a sleeve of golf balls. So anyway, no matter what people think of Jason day and Malvin, you know, I, I'm thinking about the East side golfs of the world. I'm thinking, are we going to get a Lululemon golfer, Doug? You know, there's so many brands that can spread it around. I think there's some individuality in the game. No one even talked about Siwoo Kim was wearing bad birdie last week. I haven't seen a PGA Tour player mm. out there with your your hitters out there in Scottsdale or Phoenix. <laughs> uh, you know, what do you think can become of, of these new brands of golf that are out there? Well, look, there's a lot of boutique brands that are making, like, fantastic product. Like, I got to be honest with you. Like, I've worn Nike the last five years, and now – you know, being out of contract, I've had some companies, great companies send me some stuff and I've worn it and I've been like, wait a minute, clothes can can feel like this? <laughs> like I've been looking at different fabrics like, oh, my God, this is like pajamas. Like, this is great. Um, so I think there's an opportunity for everyone right now. I think the bigger opportunity right now in golf is is what our what our game's going to look like. I think the PGA Tour and, and this live shit like they've got to figure this out because if they don't do it correctly, everything else is going to get watered down and we won't give a damn about who's wearing what or Jason Day's wide ass leg pants went from a mile, but like nobody will give a shit if we don't figure out where our league is and how it's going to, the game is going to sustain. And like that, I just, you know, I was talking to a friend from mine from PGA of America and, you know, everybody is kind of feeling this, this state of golf and trying to plan for it best you we can how can we plan for some shit we don't know that you know how it's going to turn out or play out so it's uh it's just a very interesting time and just to keep on the fashion tip like i think finally we have the ability to kind of go back to yesteryear and express Mm -hmm. yourself via what you're wearing and you know you look at lee elder was was one of the best dressed people like Mm -hmm. in the game like you know um i mean hell ben hogan had a little drip out there um yeah, Walter Hagen. If you look at all the pictures of Walter Hagen, Walter Hagen was fly. Wing tips, had the tie, had the damn button up with the, you know, with the vest. Like, I think we're just now getting out of the sheep era of golf as it relates to fashion. And, you know, like I think we talked about it earlier. We were talking about Eric Van Ruyen. He wore joggers and hoodies. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Yeah. Like now it's like I'm looking forward to seeing like the fashion show. Like I hope that like there's this air, like this scene, Jeff, where it's like the cameras are walking, watching everybody come into the pro shop or, or through the clubhouse. And it's like ESPN's and everybody's coming in and you see like the baggy clothes or whatever you want to wear for the day. Have that. That's the content that I want to see golf. I, I was thinking about that the other day, seeing NBA players come in. I was actually thinking, imagine if golfers showed up in something other than what they were wearing on the course. That's you know, like saying, if they like, changed in the locker room. Yeah, right? the locker room. That'd like super dope. Super I think dope. About, I think about all the videos of Kobe showing up. Like there's the famous one on ESPN where he hides behind the wall. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. Imagine Kobe showing up in a Lakers jersey. Like that, that that's just all I'm saying. That's all I'm yes. saying. That's what I want to see. I want to see the camera. I want to see the content that's created from you know with the music playing. Just, 
They need you. But Jeff. I think I think to your point, there's an individuality here. And I was talking to someone about someone who wasn't a fan of what Malvin Golf put Jason Day in, and I said, you know, it's it's different. Like when you see so much, uh, and I think we have to get into a conversation about golf and accessibility and stuff, um, because I'm saying when you see what younger, and I'm not saying all of the younger people out there are wearing Malvin, but I'm saying that there is an opportunity here that when people want to show up they want to show their friends, you know, their personality and they're wearing something different and they don't necessarily want to just wear the same polos and khaki looking pants that they've worn forever. You know, I had a, I played my pickup basketball game last night and I was thinking like, you know, I got, I got a couple pairs of basketball sneakers, Doug. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what do I want to show up in? You know, that's, oh, that's, what do I want to flash with these, you with these, with my friends pick up oh. tonight? You don't, no. you don't understand my crafty game, Doug. But the point is that golf, you know, has, has an opportunity there. Uh, you mentioned the live stuff and the PGA mm. tour stuff, and we've yeah. had a lot of conversations yeah. over the years. And I think it definitely feels like right now, everyone's in this holding pattern. I think people feel like, you know, post John Rom, it feels like both sides seem like they are close to some sort of agreement that we're close to some sort of world that the divisiveness isn't necessarily there, but we just wait. And I think it's a critical time for golf because, you know, I look at myself going out there and I want to portray golf as a sport that is fun, interesting, that the pro game is compelling. You know, I'm sitting at the edge of my seat watching Chris Kirk, Sahith Tagala, and Jordan Spieth come down the stretch the other day. But then I also see all these takes out, out there that are saying, you know, I'm losing interest because of the split and everything going on yeah. right now. So then, how, what do you make of everything well, at this so. moment? Well, it's funny you bring up the century because if you think back the last two champions, you have Cameron Smith wins, then John Rahm wins, and it's like both the two the last two tournaments. Well, John Rahm was win. there this week, but that's a different story. That's a different, completely different story. <laughs> but I just like again, like you go back to the Cam Smith win, and then John came in second when Cam won that tournament, and then he wins yep. the next year. So uh, I'm just sick of I'm sick of players having to choose a side. Like what? What this era of golf, the last three and a half, two seasons has done to the game is, it's like, I feel like we're back in the nineties with East coast, West coast rap. Like you got to choose a side. And I think that we got to choose the music, right? We got to choose the golf here. Like, look, if the motherfuckers want to go play over there, cool. Right. But we also then need to breathe. The PJ tour didn't want to give live validity. It's just a fact. Right. Jay Monahan, mm -hmm. his stance on everything was this is a little hobby that these guys are doing. But he realized how deep the Saudis pockets were. And Jimmy Dunn said, hell, we got to go. We got to jump in with him because we we can't fight this legal battle that could go whatever, whatever. Right. And um, but what they've what what pisses me off the most is in this era of golf and the and the two sides of it all, though, Jeff, is the fans are the ones that are paying the price. Mm -hmm, 100%. And the people that that support these players. Uh, the people that are buying the tickets, buying the suites, the companies that have supported the PGA Tour for years, those are the people that are suffering. And I think it's some selfish shit um, from both sides here. So, like, what I want to see moving forward is I need Tiger Woods to go into that Players Advisory Council and be the damn person he's supposed to be, get this shit figured out, then say I'm going to captain the Ryder Cup team, bring the whoever the hell qualifies. If you play on Liv, Tom, Dick, and Harry, I don't care if you play minor league tour. Get your brother Corey Eisenband on that fucking Ryder Cup. Dude. I don't Shout care. Corey Eisenband, Eric Cole. Yep. I don't care who is representing the United States. 
when it comes to what tour you're playing on. I care that we got the best players, and I care that we go whoop their ass, right? That's what I want to see. And I think at this juncture, honestly, man, I'm losing the the ability to care about it. Like, mm-hmm. like I want to yeah. see John Rom plays. Yeah. Like I want to see Rom at the Tournament of Champions. I really, I would have yeah. liked to see that. Reigning Masters champion, right? I would have liked to see because remember he 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 won. He shot thirty one under par and didn't win. Like so, it's just it just I don't know. I'm I'm the fan in me is yeah. angry uh, with with how all this is going. Yeah, we're broadcasters first, and of course we have to keep. No, I'm a person caveat. first. I'm a no, I'm a we're, fan. I'm a <laughs> fan first. Okay, well, but that that I mean fan first, and that's a that's one way to put it. Uh, you know, I like to tell people, Doug, on this show, I've been telling people, you know, I, we are PGA tour independent contractors. If you want to tune us out, go right ahead. (laughs) But, um, I I think that to your point, you know, that's what I've been saying about the fans. Like the fans don't care how much John Rom just made the fact that not just Mm -hmm. that he's missing century, but he's going to go play live Mayakoba instead of playing Amex where he defended last year farmers tory pines where he won his first pga tour event and won the u.s open not Mm going to be there phoenix where he lives and has been an adopted celebrity right Mm -hmm. at arizona state he's not playing there pebble's going to be a uh a signature event this year he's not playing there and genesis riviera where he won last year in that duel with max homa he's not playing there so the fans you can you can put it any way you want but the fans are going to miss out no. on that. And that's the unfortunate part. To your point about Beth Page, the Ryder Cup next year, I just want to say, I don't expect that to be an issue uh, no. you know, next year. We're going to be following this stuff, obviously, throughout the year. Remember that a lot of those original live golf contracts were three years, right? Those are the reports on a mm. lot of those. This is year three. So we'll see how much leverage, we'll see how much strings are pulled. You know, we don't know anything, but I think the bottom line that we're saying is the fans... The fans need to be put first again. Well, then it's also up to about. us to make this uh, the product sound more exciting. Now, look, you go watch golf with no sound. That's up to you, right? But then you take me, you, Jeff. Then you miss uh, us. Yeah, that's right. Right, but I'm saying, but it's also our job to make, you know, um, tournaments where guys are playing well that may be new on the tour. It's our job to make those players mm-hmm. sound exciting and be vibrant and their personalities might not match i mean i think that's what that's that's what we like about john rom it's the fact that he's dynamic he says what he wants to say and he doesn't play by anybody else's kind of rules and a lot of those guys that that have that mantra that mentality they've gone to live i fuck fuck pj tour i'm gonna go over here and get this bag where it's kind of like man we're we're starting to have like a a a lot of tour players that are copies of each other a lot of guys Mm -hmm. that have the same tone uh we, we got a bunch of um of varied hitting Cameron champs. That's what we got. Uh-huh. Chill ass, cool guys that literally all sound the same and hit at varying lengths. That's what we got. Well, Kevin Kisner called it the UGA tour at one point on the broadcast last week. You know, does you Kevin about- Kisner know what the UGA tour actually means? If he said that, I didn't hear him he, say that. I wish I would have. I, I think he was thinking Georgia Bulldogs, but uh, yeah, the UGA. Oh, okay. I, I was. Okay. That, that if, if I'm missing something here, Doug, maybe I don't know if well, it's go uh, go go back and look at the tour that the black players played on in the in the sixties and seventies. See what it's called. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do do some of my more research just after this. Kevin. Um well that's a good segue. Let let's talk APGA <laughs> tour. All right. Cause you all got right. the farmers coming up. 
um, in a couple weeks. You got the APGA Farmers Insurance Invitational. Yeah. Third time it's being played at Torrey Pines, North and South. Uh, third time you'll be, I believe, on the ground for I, it. Obviously, I, no, as of today, the no contracts in place. I have no idea. I'll okay, be, so I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say. No, anything. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm, I get it. it's actually. <laughs> You, you you ready for this broadcast team, Jeff? Yeah, I'm ready. You ready for it? Yeah. I'm on the ground. Okay. Amelia is analyst. Amelia Migliaccio. And guess who is the host? Just guess. Uh, guess. Well, last year last year was Damon Hack. Year before right? it was Damon Hack. Year before it was Damon Hack. Third uh, year. Is this is this someone that you've worked with before? Yes. Steve Burkowski. Someone you would never work with. <laughs> Shane Bacon. Nope, even better. Even more dynamic. The most dynamic broadcaster in sport. You're calling it with Gus Johnson? Who is it? Oh, I wish. God, why doesn't Gus do golf? Gus Johnson, look at me. We need you in golf. I need you in golf. Thank you. I'm talking about the coach. Jonathan oh, Coachman. Our guy, Jonathan yeah, Coachman. Me, the coach, and Amelia. That's going to be the team bringing APGA to the masses. Golf Channel, they're the Sunday finale there at Farmers. It's <laughs> driving, driving, coach driving down the highway from the OC to San Diego for let me, that. Let me tell you something. I love working with Coach, man. Coach, coach is <laughs> he's that dynamic off air. Right, most of the oh, people that have those big personalities, they get off air and they kind of chill and mundane. But no, not that guy. So now I'm looking forward to the excitement that he brings, and um, it should be a good time. And you know, I'm just gonna do what I do, and just you know, I gotta say this, I gotta preface this always: is these guys are gonna play without a practice round the Sunday mm -hmm. after a PGA Tour event on the third hardest course on the yep. PGA Tour, and you know, the the entertainment value lacks let's just be honest you're looking at guys try to save a round versus like go low you go back to last year max Homa shoots final round 66 in some of the coldest windiest conditions ever created there um which was, was a remarkable round of golf and then you guys come in shooting 73s from the apga so um i just need just hope sure or need to make sure that people are giving these guys a little grace and you're watching it as an effort to grow the game not as you know an entertaining uh it's more of a survival of the fittest if you will a little darwinism on tv Marcus Bird, the defending champion, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, this event obviously is ineligible this year. Ineligible. You've ineligible. played a you've played a lot of but, AP. But let me say this though, but, but, yeah, ineligible, why? Jeff, because he got to Corn Ferry Tour. He made it to mm -hmm. final stage, and he has conditional status on the Corn Ferry Tour, thus making him ineligible for this APJ finale. So it's a compliment that he's in, ineligible. And I think that's also, you know, to the point, the APGA Tour, which you've played on and were playing events on before this tournament was put on air. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's obviously brought a lot of publicity. Uh, big shout out to a guy like Billy Horschel, who's mm -hmm. been doing some big stuff with the APGA Tour in Jacksonville. Uh, how have you felt about this moment for the APGA Tour and for players like Marcus, who have been able to segue from that you know from the APGA tour to status on various PGA tour sanctioned tours. Um, you know, I've got I've got I got a lot of respect for the guys that built the tour and you know they just brought in a new CEO, Kim Bentley stepped down. I don't know who that new CEO is. I know he came from Jordan brand, but I don't know his name off the top of my head. Um, you know, the APGA started as kind of a uh an effort just to get, you know, 
black guys playing and then playing for something, you know, and trying to get to the tour. And as, as things have progressed um, and the efforts from companies that want to be a part of the story and not just be a part of checking their diversity box for their multicultural advertising spend. I think that's been the exciting part because a lot of things, golf is very good at saying, Hey, let's do stuff for this underrepresented community because we can, we can spend our diversity budget over there. And it's been nice to really see the partnerships that, that companies like Lexus has had and farmers has had with, the APGA and some of the stories that have come out of it. You look at, at Willie Mack, he, you know, plays on the court, played on the corn Ferry tour last year, making it, uh, you know, through each stage of qualifying, didn't have the year that he had hoped to have, but you know, again, he played his first season on the corn Ferry tour. It's a lot different playing APGA where APGA, you have a, uh, basically a tournament a month, maybe two. And then corn Ferry, you have four tournaments a week uh, or a month. And so the learning curve of her, excuse me, <clears throat> the learning curve of learning how to travel and, and what happens when your equipment breaks or you're, what if you're in the wrong equipment, you can't chase certain pins because you don't have enough spin, et cetera, et cetera. You don't really have those, that access to that type of attention to your game at the lower level. So seeing how the APJ has also worked as this intermediary between the OEMs, sponsorships, opportunities for the players um, and, and the PGA tour. Um, it's been exciting to see and, uh, it's crazy where things can grow. Like you're just starting your podcast. This could be one of the best podcasts in a couple of years, you know, out on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, t- whatever you get your podcast. So it's just interesting um, to be a part of the incubation and, and see where it is. It pisses me off that I don't have the time to still compete. Like I want to and play out there and bust some of those guys ass like I can. But um, other than that, I'm, I'm proud to see, you know, the Marcus Birds uh, and the others that play the tour. I think it's also, you know, I look at your place in all of this, and we've had a lot of conversations. And My I know place. That, what the hell well, no, 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 no. Because <laughs> I, I want to, Doug. I want to. I want to say this in the right way because My I know place. we've had a lot of conversations that you don't, you don't want to like, you don't like what you said. You don't want to be just a guy that checks someone's box. Is no. what we've had the conversation. So Never. you want to, you want to bring unless there's a, a big check attached to <laughs> the box check, then I'm cool. You want to bring a unique perspective that isn't there. And I think you want that to just be more organic in that you're a knowledgeable former player who knows what he's talking about with golf Mm -hmm. and can, you know, and can be looked at as just a talent as opposed to someone checking a box. So where does this all, as you're trying to navigate all this, uh, you know, how do you create your own identity in that sort of way? You know, let's start with what I hate, right? One thing that I, I hate is, you know, I need permission to speak. We both do. We need somebody mm-hmm. to say, we need Jeff and Doug on the bill for this show. And then you go do it. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the tough part because I'm new and I didn't play the PGA tour. You know, I've seen, you know, you had Andres on here and, and this is no knock on Andres. This is a, a, a comment of what he's been able to accomplish in his life. He could be half as good as I am, but he played the PGA tour to talk about the PGA tour. So he has a leg up against me. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing, you know, in the analyst seat that I I've struggled with as of late, it's um, not imposter syndrome because I've earned my seat. I've earned the ability to critique the best players of the world. I've beat them in private settings, just not on the PGA (laughs) tour. Um, But there's going to be more guys falling off the tour that are going to be in our age range uh, with the ability to speak. So, as I look at my place, it's the seat that I'm currently occupying. Um, you know, I have questions on how long it'll be me in that seat. Um, 
trying to find my own way in the world, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm not old yet, but um, I'm also like the new kid on the block, you know? So at this point in my life, you know, I should be coming into like expert, expert level uh, 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 gaming efforts. Right. But no, I'm, I'm the new guy on the block and um, Oh, there's, there's some comfort. There's some anxiety. There's some imposter syndrome. There's some code switching. There's a lot of things going on, Jeff, as I'm, you know, I'm in this space, like, like, and I'm not trying to like draw you a picture, but if you look across all media platforms and you just talk about the black guys doing golf, me, Damon Hack, Will, I'm talking about TV, like Roger Steele does some things, uh, PJ championship, CBS, um, in the golf space, right? Me, Will, Damon, Coach. There we go. Fran. Okay, but what do Fran, Coach, and Damon have in common? They're all hosts. I'm not a host. I'm an analyst. So then you look at it. Okay, you got me and Will that do analyst work consistently. Neither one of us played the tour. So how 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 firm are we kind of in our seats? And that's, you know, again, we'll... We'll figure that out later, but I want to be real with you. You know what I'm saying? You got your yeah. eyes on golf. I'm just being real, <laughs> you know, with, with kind of like what we feel from, from our seat and, and to be plugged into all, you know, you look at Will and I as, as in our seat, you know, we're, we're always consulted with on matters of APGA, uh, Charlie Sifford, uh, cups, you know, the, these black or grow the game TV initiatives, you know, and, I wouldn't sell yourself short. You know, I think you're talking about some guys like Damon, uh, Fran Coach, who've been at this for decades. That's fair. You know, I think I think it's different. Um, I think that your you and Will, to put you guys, you know, together, obviously hosting the pod together, have brought um, a perspective that maybe some people weren't thinking about that mm -hmm. they needed to. So I think that's all good. I want to ask you another question that we've talked about many oh. times, Doug. I feel like I'm on are a hot you seat, Jeff. Are, are you an influencer? <laughs> Um, no, I don't, uh, let me rephrase it. I don't identify as being an influencer. I don't like the context. I don't like the conversation. Um, but I, do I, are you a journalist? Absolutely not. You are a journalist. Okay. I'm not a journalist. Okay. I tried to be once upon a time. Um, Will has a statement where he says, I'm not an influencer, but I'm a person with influence. And I think I, I identify more with that. And, th and when I say influence, I don't mean like over other people's buying decisions and who they are as individuals. But, you know, I've garnered enough people come to me for the real. Like, um, and that's one thing that people always get via my social media. You're going to get 100% of what I feel. Like, if I think a product sucks, I'm going to tell you it sucks. If I think something's dope, I'm going to tell you to go look at it. And I'm never going to sell you something. I'm going to tell you to go get fit for a club, whatever. Um, I'm intentional on what I post. Uh, and... Like, I'm just trying to create a community of like-minded people so we can just vibe, right? Like, let's go pull up to a course and, like, let's just take the bitch over. Like, that's kind of what I feel like is my next step. I want to I want to have these, I call them fresh takeovers. We've done one, done one once, and I want to do more across the country where we just pull up and tell, the, tell the, uh, the GM at the club, I need every tea time you got this day and just come out and vibe, right? That's, that's, that's one of my goals is just to be able to come to a city and bless a course with people showing up. So if I can influence people to do that, yeah, call me an influence. Well, I think we talked about a lot of what people think of the PGA Tour. In that regard, I want to know, when you see just people on a golf course, you know, forget the PGA Tour for a second. How do you feel over the years the vibe on golf courses has changed? How do you feel 
the way that, you know, our country, people, young people look at golf. How do you think that that's changed? And obviously you've moved that's around the country. Yeah. You live right in a Phoenix Scottsdale area. That yeah. is a golf hotbed right now. If you can afford it, it's a hotbed. If not, <laughs> then you just be looking at people gel like, can I? Can I well, play? that's why, can that's I? why you have, you have the Phoenix, the Phoenix, uh, zip code right on the edge of scottsdale right yeah yeah but shit this time it don't matter where you playing everywhere is, <laughs> everywhere is, you can play a par three right now it's gonna cost you 150 dollars um Ugh. yeah I, I feel like being on the west coast you know i've seen more like chill vibes on the course you know music being played mm-hmm. um that's new right like people think like yeah. this is such an yeah. old thing like being but let me rephrase it having it be accepted by the owner operators at the course mm-hmm. That's what's new. Music has always been on the course. It's just having it be accepted. Um, you know, seeing the dress codes be laxed. Um, but I'm also, you know, a traditionalist too, Jeff. I, I respect the places that, you know, I have to take my hat off or or I've got to not play the music or be off my phone. Now, I don't frequent those places because I can't afford to be a member at those places. So let's just, <laughs> let's just be honest. Because, wait, you're what, Doug? What do you call yourself? I'm America's guest. <laughs> I am America's guest. I'm the best person you can have coming to your course to play, honestly. Like, because I don't play golf anymore and I have suck. I got a two handicap. Um, that means I'm a, I can shoot 65. Maybe I can shoot 80. So it's like the range of what I can do. I'm, I'm, that's why I'm America's guest is, is you want me with you. Like we can go beat everybody. We can, I, I, they're not going to charge me to play. Shout out to PGA of America. I appreciate you. Um, but what I like the most about this new area era of golf is you've got people that are creating touch points. Like I just heard about this game. I don't know if you've heard of this game yet. It's called dice golf. It's about, it hasn't launched. It's about to come out where it's a board game. That's golf. Like you roll the dice. There's a, there's like a T die and a damn green die and a fairway. So it's like, are you in the rough? Are you in the whatever? Yeah. And it's in the, and how, and how you advance is based off strokes game. Like it's, this game's unbelievable to me. Um, that's not like I said. It's, it's going to be out soon, but the fact that people are are understanding that you need to come to golf different ways. Like there's a guy in Atlanta that has a golf cartoon, right? There's a cartoon that you can go watch on YouTube about golf, um, and and that's the stuff that didn't happen when I was a kid, right? If if we had to go play golf and really be the oddballs back then, mm-hmm. right? Like you you were weird, and I was by myself. Like my parents dropped me off, like. Like I heard golf is safe. So we'll holler at you and see here's $10, get you a Snickers, a Coke and a hot dog. And we'll be back in like two hours. And that's, that, that was my upbringing. But now you can, you can understand the game, you know, the putting mats and the dice golf game and all these different things, man. Like it's, it's a great time to usher in people into the game. I'm just a little jealous that it's happening now versus when, you know, I was a kid. Well, I think a lot of it, we talked earlier about all the apparel in the industry, right? I think a lot of these brands, these apparel and accessories brands have realized, wait a second, you know, if we can get more people playing, the revenue isn't just in greens no. fees Mm-mm. anymore. Or the revenue is in know. beverages. What you talking about? That's where the <laughs> margins are at the golf course. How much can we get these idiots to drink while they're here? Like, where's the bar stool people? Let's go get all these guys but, out here. Run but, the tab up. Let's get them drunk. But see, great point there. Arizona, I feel like that's a heavy heavy part of the game like it is no i will say that northeast golf northeast golf where people are mostly walking yeah you know a lot a lot during the year you do that at maidstone and see what happens (laughs) (laughs) but that i mean i think that's fascinating that there's different you know it's something that as i've been able to travel more have just witnessed something different than um you know 
East Coast golf, like yeah. you said. That's what I'm saying. There's a, I feel like there's like West Coast golf, East Coast golf. I feel like West Coast, East Coast golf is like more competitive. Like me and you are going to play, and we're talking mm-hmm. about pars and birdies. Whereas West Coast, we talking about everything that's not golf on the golf course. With you know, if if you have a a, a strain of choice, see how I did mm-hmm. that for those yeah, places where good. things aren't legal. Um, you have a strain of choice. It's 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 celebrated. If you have a drink of choice, it's also celebrated. So. Yeah, very, very different dynamic, especially where you live out in New York. Yes, very different. But I mean, I was at, I played TPC Sawgrass uh, with a few guys Flex. from the PGA Tour. Flex. From the PGA Tour, Doug. You could do the same. Flex. Uh, last year, and they were all, you know, you you want to drink, you want to drink. I was like, I'm playing TPC Sawgrass for the first time. Like, I want to stay locked in. <laughs> and, you know, I understand people would look at me and be like, who cares? Who cares? But like, no, I'm no, like, no. I'm like, I got 18 holes here where I want to be. I want to feel like I can I can ball strike correctly. No, I'm playing, I, and I respect that, Jay Money. Like that's that's how it's supposed to be. Like for real, for real. But I I want to ask uh, maybe one more thing here. Next golf tour, you're a part of it now. You're yeah. the face of it, some might say, <laughs> Doug Smith. I know. Um, hell, were they? Thinking you know, you talked. Well, you just talked about a board game. This isn't quite a board game, but we see that screen golf is taking off. I would say sim, right now, sim 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 golf, golf sim golf. Excuse me. Sim golf, screen golf, whatever you want to say, uh, taking off in a way that it's definitely becoming more accessible. And I think that a lot of the people, like we've been saying, that might not be paying those greens fees are more than willing to practice or even socially kind of rent some sort of booth, whether it be at a five iron golf or something like that. What is the next golf tour? Uh, the next golf tour is Trackman's Indoor golf league and i don't call it a league it's a tour um where you're paying an entry fee you're playing for real money you're playing real people from all over the world uh we have a joke but it's actually a branding effort it's the biggest professional golf tour in the world like you're having 900 to a thousand people play every single tour event it's in the it's staged in the off season so you know tour players of of the various tours, the Nordic League players or even the mini tour players down in you know in Florida, the the Corey Eisen bands again. I'm shouting your brother <laughs> out. I got I, I love that your brother pump plays, up, is, is trying to get there, man. That's that's dope. Um, but it's it's also like real. Like there's gats out there making thirty thousand dollars a tournament. Like you can really change your life. Um, there was a there was a female last year that won the the um the Medina tournament. Her name is uh, Sophia Kibsgall. I mean, this 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 couldn't have been more perfect for her. She wins Medina, gets thirty grand. She goes on and forgive me, I'm, I don't live over there, but she goes on the sub tour to the women's let and is rookie of the year, player of the year, and now she's going to play on the let next year. Like, and I though that's the that's the best story uh, about kind of how this this can can play out and they've they've created partnerships with the the DP World Tour so you can pl- you're going to get into events on green grass by performing well inside on a simulator golf like it's um is it the future of golf that's aggressive to say but i think it's going to be a supplementary way to compete uh it's going to be a supplementary way to to communicate uh create networks I mean, think about it. If me and you wanted to go play some people in South Korea right now, we could do that. Minus the time change, et cetera. We could, we could really go zoom in, play golf, bet, do everything because the technology is that consistent across, you know, all platforms. And 
Is it the future of the game? Uh, it's going to try to be. That's for damn it's sure. A, it's a part of the game. It's a yeah. part of the game for sure. It's an accessible exactly. part of the game. It's also it, you still got to pay. Like if you don't own one, but yes, yeah. it's, it's more accessible. Well, who are debatable. where are the stars of this league coming from? You know that answer. <laughs> it ain't America, Jack. I tell you that. It is like it's 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 the uh, the Obear people. That's what I call. <laughs> no, nah, Scandinavians. The, the Swedes, man. The Swedes. The Danes. Um. Fins like and anywhere where it's cold, right? Like the Norway, <laughs> anywhere where it's cold, because there's some nuances to play in this league. Like you know, seeing the percentages of how the ball is going to come out with spin and power, and understanding how that equates into this fixed area where you have to hit is not as simple as you think, right? Because not only do you have to like figure out how far the ball is going to go, etc., but you need to factor in these these data points that you've never seen before. So it takes some getting used to. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Like, to compete mm-hmm. is going to take some getting used to. But um, I think once people – when I say people, I'm talking Americans. Because for some yeah. reason, Jeff, Americans don't like money. I don't get I, I think they I just got to they, – they, you know, they got to complain about everything first, yeah, well, right? And then we'll, but, we'll get but, to it eventually. Yeah, but it's like – my thing is, like, if you're a mini-tour player and you're trying to get to the league and you got access mm-hmm. to a TrackMan facility – for $130, go have a beer and go play sim golf because you're gonna they're paying out the top third. So top third of a thousand people. That's 333 people that are gonna make something. I think the I think you have to come in top like 190 to get your money back, something like that. Something crazy. Like, okay, come in 200 and get your money back. It's not it's not a waste of time. And you dial your numbers in. Just me. Fam you, Doug would be all over this. I keep saying about just Scandinavia in general. The next European Ryder Cup, I think it's 2031, doesn't have a home. Got to be in Scandinavia. Like what we're seeing with Hovland, Obear, the the Hoygaard twins coming through. Dude. Like yeah. I, it, to me, they, they've earned it. You know, you might have to move it up. I don't know if October or September, you know, you might have to play well, in early Jonas September Blitz Ryder has Cup. multiple wins on the PGA Tour too. That's don't right. Forget, like go back Alex a Norin, bit. you know, you go back to Henrik Stenson. So yeah, there's, there's a lot there. Uh, no, I wanna... I, and I think what I'm seeing though, real quick to, to button this, yeah. um, yeah. there's a lot of good players there in that, in that region, not just like a particular, the entire region yeah. that, that kind of are stuck waiting on summer so they can play the Nordic league. So this is a great way for people to be seen, noticed, recognized and celebrated for their abilities. I think if people haven't caught on, if they've been listening to this podcast the whole time and haven't caught on to, I think a lot of what we talked about, that there are people out there all around the world that have the talent to make it in golf. There's just so many other variables, whether it be accessibility, whether it be drive, whether it be instruction, there are so many other factors that play into all this. One good week. Look, if Doug Smith qualified for that FedEx St. Jude uh, via the Monday qualifier, it might I'd not still be, be right here. Right no, I'd still be right here. I would have, I would have MC hammer daddied it, and but I would have had a club deal out of it. I tell you, <laughs> uh, I want to leave you with this: Is golf cool? Can it be cool? Should golf be cool? Duh, to all of them. Golf is dope. Don't forget about it. Like, is golf cool? No, golf is dope. That's what golf is, Jeff. Golf is dope, even for old people. Like, here's the thing. Seeing old white dudes wearing Jordans on the course makes me smile. Like I think that's that's really cool. And if and if that kind of uh, uh, of of 
transculturalism, it's not a word. I'm just putting it out there. I'm trying it out, see how it feels, can happen in the game, then what else can we do as a unit of people? So, um, as you can see, agents calling me, Jeff. I got to go, man. We got to go. Uh, shout out to Wayno Drano with that uh, golf is dope reference there, Doug. Absolutely. Um, trap, trap golf in the building. Wayne Birch. Uh, that's Doug Smith. You can catch him on PGA Tour Live. For the Farmers Insurance Open, then doing uh, for Golf Channel for the APGA Farmers Insurance Invitational, various other places on Golf Channel, beyond the fairway, PGA Tour Live throughout the year. The next golf tour, Damn. what we call you, the, the host, the analyst, the the everything, the the, the media personality of the next golf tour. Um, and I also, by, I didn't mention, I mentioned all your accolades. I didn't mention you're also what PGA professional certified of some sort associate. You forgot father. That's the one you really forgot. And, and father That's the one and you. father. I had this on the list, Doug, before we go, what are you Renzi, your son? What, 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 do, how are you being a golf dad already? He's what? Three, four years old now. Three years old. Um, man, you know, honestly, I'm being myself. That's how I'm being a golf dad. I'm being myself. And like, just the. Like the 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 golf is just falling off, and he's picking it up. Like all of it, he's picked up. You should see his putting strokes textbook. His swing is pure. Ball gets hit up in the air. He's got real clubs. I mean, this kid. Um, if 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 this was the '80s, he'd be on talk shows right now with no social media because that's what they did for Tiger. I'm kidding. Mike, look, if my kid plays golf great, if he doesn't play golf great, I don't care. But right now, he's a golfer. And uh, I'm I'm enjoying this little ride that we all, man. Jeff, I appreciate you having me on here, man. And by the way, I love the double entendre of the name of the show. I mean, Good. eyes on golf. You got you as Eisen band. You got your eyes, ojos. You're watching the game. Maybe I have my eyes on golf this year, too. It's original. You know, I don't know if Dougie Fresh is, but uh, eyes on golf. Is no, original. I stole that. No, Doug- I actually <laughs> took that. I, that's repurposed for uh, for me. So, hey, I didn't I didn't give myself the name. I just use it. That's all. All right, Doug Smith. All right, man. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you, you, man. Love you, Jeff. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Golf. Thanks to Doug. We're going to have to do that again. We're going to have to. We got out. I I wanted to tell his story a little bit. Now you're familiar with him. We got that out. We got a lot more golf topics to discuss as the year goes on. So more Doug Smith coming eventually. More guests coming in 2024. Like I said off the top, a lot more rolling out here on Eyes on Golf. Thanks for following. Thanks for subscribing. And stay tuned for what is coming next as this season goes on.